Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Jill. Don. Christina. Steve. Dave. And I'm Craig. And that's special guest star Christina this week. That's She's right. Taking over my role. That's not. That's not your role. You're not. A You're still guest special. Star. <laughs> <laughs> and you ate your roles. <laughs> that's not a thing. But yeah, usually what happens is when it's Steve's turn, he makes Christina do his work for him and then he takes tries to take the credit for it but this time he brought her so he doesn't even have to read <laughs> which is great yeah, really i mean remember? i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna attempt to butcher her work remember so. how bad he read last time <laughs> we have to keep correcting him anyway uh just really quick we um still don't really have a drink of the month however uh last night we were at a brewery called flying embers in where was it again? Roxbury. Roxbury. Um, it's a great little brewery. Um, the beers are really good. They make them themselves. Our boys band was there. They have live music. So we highly encourage you to check out Flying Embers. They also have a line of kombucha for those who don't uh, want to drink alcohol but still want to be there. Oh, I think it's hard kombucha. Yeah, but I think they had other kombucha yeah, too. You do want to keep your eyes on your hubcaps. And hashtag Idle Vision. Hashtag Idle Vision. That's right. That was the band. Um, anyway, they did a great show. It was a good time. <laughs> yeah, so we should plug Idle Vision harder. <laughs> Working, they got their Instagram, all that. We we can get everybody the details. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we could post a link to it. And if you're interested in buying a T-shirt, they got those them. too. <laughs> all right. Anyway, with all that said, uh, Christina, what does Steve make you do for us this time? <laughs> I was happy to do it. Uh, we are talking about the Snyder Gray murder, also known as the Sashwaite murder of 1927. Now, probably most of you don't... Sorry, I didn't have it close enough. No, it sounded fine, though. All right. Uh, so... Oh, do we need to tell Christina, what's our safe word again? Cookie. Cookie. We have a safe word so that Craig can like find it quickly and edit in case you need something edited. But what was that? Pain. Uh, no, table it was uh, table it. Table it. So the, yeah. So if you need something edited or something like that, you say table it, and then that way when he's editing, he'll search for that first and he'll pull that out first. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Well, it's already too late. So should I say cookie again? No, everyone or, already said table. Or table, table it. We already said cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you and Steve have any other safe words? <laughs> yeah, because cookie was Dave's safe word. <laughs> oh, good, good, good to know. Okay. Anyway, um, yes. So probably people have not heard about this murder. A lot of people haven't. And that is despite the fact that back in the day, it rivaled the Leopold Loeb murders, it rivaled Charles Lindbergh's flight across the Atlantic in terms of just national attention. Um, and it's kind of hard to say why. Even the newspapers that did so much to spread every lurid detail of the case they could dig and sometimes make stuff up, they would sometimes express befuddlement on just why the murder of an average middle-class man by his wife and her lover for insurance money 
you know, where the pair were almost immediately caught and confessed to the crime. Like, why does this need to be on the front page of newspapers for months on end? But to answer that, we have to back up a little bit. Go back in time. Talk about the Roaring Twenties. All right. Um, the Twenties were a time of intense changes in what we would today call the media landscape, right? Uh, the first radio station was KDKA in Pittsburgh that opened in 1920. That's a good station. Good station. Mm. Um, he was there. Uh, We were at early days for movie theaters, and the first talkies came out in 1927, including talkie newsreels, which were quite popular for a while. First time people had heard the news and seen the news as opposed to reading it on print. Um, And tabloids were huge then, and competing with each other uh, and doing so often by being as sensationalist and lurid as possible. In New York, where this case took place, lucky them, the big tabloids included the New York Daily News, the New York Daily Mirror, that's the one that Hearst owned, and the New York Daily Graphic, nicknamed the Pornographic for its um, journalistic ethics. Oh, nice. I thought the mirror was a Spider-Man thing. Spider-Man thing? Isn't that where Spider-Man worked? No, that was a daily uh, planet. No, daily not the daily. planet was Superman. No, that was... Um, Clark Kent. Daily Bugle. Oh, okay. But we also actually talked about the sensational news, right? With Lizzie Borden, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, they, de- they definitely... And, you know, the thing about in there was that you had... Also, with the case of Lizzie Borden, you had um, a lot of Irish running certain medias and British Protestants running other medias. So it became quite an interesting, you know, because, you know, Lizzie Borden was British Protestant. So the Irish hated her just over that. So, yeah, they call this the Roaring Twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I'm sure you do, Dad. You were 34. (laughs) (laughs) Now. Everything was booming. People were making money on the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. That came to an abrupt halt for some reason, didn't it? Yeah, it was called the Great Depression. Oh. See, there was this Republican in office named Hoover (laughs) who wrecked everything, of course. Okay. Anyway. Bring it back. Please continue, Christine. Yes. Right. Now, trials are always good for drama and good for... I almost said good for clicks because that's (laughs) just in my head now. But no, good for, you know, just drumming up interest. Um, And the Snyder Gray case, well, it had sex. It had It had... Kinky. A lot... Gross. (laughs) A lot of No, it's cookie is the safe word, Doc. Cookie. <laughs> He's destroyed. Me. Gross. C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. <laughs> what kind of cookies are these? <laughs> this is a weird story, Chris. Oh. 
There was a kinky element to this murder. Yes, there was a kinky element. So there are a lot of, and it involved a lot of that sort of hot button issues that were easily pushed in the 1920s when women had so recently gotten the right to vote and were exercising their newfound freedom in a variety of ways. Thank goodness, I thought you were going to say they were executed. (laughs) (laughs) They called them flappers. Yeah, yeah. Like all of a sudden. See, I told you I was there. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. <laughs> Only someone who had been there would know. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. We're so lucky that you're turning like 841 this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm butter. All right. All right. So let's get back to the case itself. Um, Ruth Brown Snyder was a housewife and mother married to Albert Snyder, the art editor of Motorboating Magazine. I'm sure you're all hugely I am subscribed. Jill, do you have anything you'd like to say? Are you a big fan of motorboating? She has visuals in her head now. <laughs> well, you guys are talking about porn. <laughs> How does a motorboat well, become depends pornographic? On which, well, you, you've got to have a special a, kind of mind. No, you can start a porn scene from anything. Motorboat, yeah. I mean, <laughs> tennis match, you know. Wow. Chess mm-hmm. game, you know. Anything. Anyway, was he also the president of the motor (laughs) motorboat club? I do not believe so. It did not mention he was actually kind of a stay-at-home guy. So maybe this was the origin of that. Maybe because he was so good at motorboating. Mm. (laughs) Never left the house. Actually, no. I'm not getting the motorboat. (laughs) What are you talking about? Nothing. You see. No, no. <laughs> Did you know that Ava Gardner, speaking of the 20s, made John Wayne say the Pledge of Allegiance between her thighs? <laughs> I thought you said you didn't know what it meant. That's the not what motorboating is. Oh, is that what it is? No. Oh. He was being a Weisenheimer. <laughs> oh, no, it's true, though, what I just said. I don't know why why <laughs> we needed to know that though. Can we get going here? Yeah, come on, Chris. Can we get track? going? <laughs> My meeting a motorboat of the month club is about to start. <laughs> no wonder they murdered him. Pervert. <laughs> In any event, their marriage was not a happy one. I will say that again. Cookie. <laughs> you, sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> Try that when I get it. <laughs> Just read the definition for motorboating. Thank you, Craig, for that. You're Craig welcome. whipped out the Google. <laughs> <laughs> Put it back and let's get going. Yeah, yeah. If you had taken health class in modern times, they'd have explained that. <laughs> Dad, take your um, sunglasses off your shirt because you keep going. Bang, 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 bang. Oh. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, I was saying their marriage was not great, right? So Albert, the husband there, he had continued to be obsessed with his uh, earlier fiance from before he met Ruth. Her name was Jessie Guichard. um, And she had died. But he could not stop just thinking about her all the time. He kept her pictures up in their home 
Mm-hmm. He wore a stick pin every day with her initials on it. Uh, and you're going to want to remember that stick pin and those initials, JG, because they will be important later on. Stick a pin in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he actually named his boat after her. That was sort of Ruth's bridge too far, the boat. So she got kind of mad. And um, well, yeah, you can't say somebody else's name when you're motorboating. <laughs> I mean, that's, just not, that's just not allowed. Period. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. If true. you don't know her name, you just you know you just move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Especially because Jesse could be a boy's girl name too. So that's true. You know. Maybe well, it was she a boy. had the picture, so she knew. Mm. She had every like she had a lot of information about Jesse in her house at all times. Right? These are very functional people. Right? Yeah, it would be kind of weird to be married to somebody who keeps pictures of their ex, even if she died. Well, you know what I would do? Say. I'd go find me a corset sale. Mm. Okay. Uh, and you know. Um, so she objected and he's yelling at her and she's yelling at him and he says, but, but Jessie was the finest woman I have ever known. So that's what you should never say to your wife when talking about another woman. So good tip there. <laughs> she's looking at you, Craig. No doubt. <laughs> Thanks for the tip, Christina. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, he additionally was furious at his wife for having given birth to a girl uh he nagged her all the time about her post-pregnancy body he had very exacting standards on their how their home should be kept and he would physically assault both his wife and daughter if his standards weren't met so all in all a right royal douchebag Mm -hmm. Mm. indeed so when ruth met henry judd gray a corset salesman, thank you, Dad, who was also unhappy in his marriage. The two began an affair that would last about two years. They, the affair started almost immediately after the two had met each other. I think it was their second meeting or something. And they saw each other a lot, uh, usually in the Snyder home, uh, while Ruth's daughter Lorraine was at school, or occasionally at the Waldorf Astoria under the names Momsy and Bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sign uh, in, please. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Momsy and Bud. And little Lorraine would be hanging out in the lobby. Yeah. At they some... didn't bring her into the room, though. So no, that's, that's okay. right. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was pretty classy. It was yeah. classy. They were class act. Shocking. Uh, at some point, the idea of killing Albert was brought up, probably by Ruth, who apparently had tried to kill him before a couple times. Um, yeah, so they could be together. She managed to get an insurance salesman to forge her husband's signature on a double indemnity insurance clause that gives out double money. Um, double the money if he happens to die by violence 
So that's actually a good thing, you know. I mean, yeah. I, if I ever had like a life insurance, like a ching life insurance, you know, kind of thing, that yeah. would definitely be one of the policies. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so that was for a hundred grand. In those Did, days, that would be a I, lot, a lot of money. I was just going to ask David how much that would be. How much? What's the equivalent so today? So when I bought this house, they showed the price it sold for in um, the year I was born, nineteen seventy-eight. This was sold. This was bought for like forty thousand. Right. So in nineteen twenty-seven, a hundred thousand um, dollars. That's a lot of money. It would be, be like well million. into the millions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, in eighteen ninety-two, um, when uh, Andrew Borden died, he had a net worth of about three hundred thousand dollars, and mm. that translated to about nine million dollars by so, today's money. Depends yeah. on. You know, well, it's probably gone up too because I mean everything's gone up. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. But anyway, I'm I interested. Yeah, it yeah. would be a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, so. bring our money to pass and make look like kings. Mm. <laughs> the problem is with the dates on the money. What? Well, sure, we can figure something out. I'm sure we can. Oh, I gotta say, looks to me like that was about two point nine million. Two point oh, nine mil. Nice guess. You're Throwing right out the on facts. The line, yeah. mm-hmm. All right. I'm surprised an insurance company would even write that, but I guess. Well. <laughs> back then they would. Like nowadays, they're like, you pretty much have to prove that you didn't kill somebody mm-hmm. if your spouse gets murdered. Right. You know, they're, they're taking the fun out of everything. I know. I know. You know. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, we'd have more pod things to podcast about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get your priorities straight, people. Yes. Come on, Chris. So the, t- the two, so the two lovebirds um, eventually agree to a murder plan where they would kill Albert in bed and make it look like a robbery gone wrong. They went out and got a murder kit together of a four-pound window sash weight, chloroform. And picture hanging wire. I guess. Pretty common. Yeah. Uh, I, I sure. didn't know they sold those those kind of kits. <laughs> oh yeah. Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> they have everything there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, then they went ahead with their really, really asinine murder plan. These two may have been the worst murder team ever. It was ridiculous. So Ruth takes her husband out to a party one night plies them with liquor, and at the same time, Judd goes to their home and waits. They they get home, Albert goes to bed, Ruth goes to meet Judd. Now, according to trial testimony later on, according to Ruth, she is totally innocent. She didn't know what Judd was doing there. She tried to get him to leave. He went up to the uh, Albert's room. She went in and fainted. And didn't remember anything. And nobody believes that. Yeah, sounds plausible. (laughs) Nobody at all. (laughs) So, um, I will quote from the trial as reported verbatim by every newspaper in the country, pretty much. I'm getting a lot of this from the Madeira Tribune from January 13, 1928, because California puts their newspapers, their old newspapers, up online for free, which is cool. That is nice. Yeah, it is cool. Um, anyway, this was Judd's testimony. Would any of the gentlemen like to play Judd today? 
Right. I'll, oh, I'll do it. You're a gentleman? Sure. You're no gentleman. <laughs> All right. This part with the arrows. Yeah. The part with the arrows on it. Quote. Do <clears throat> a voice now, please. Put on rubber. No, I can't do it. I put on rubber gloves. I took the sash weight and I gave her the chloroform. I gave her the piece of wire. She carried the handkerchief with the cotton waste. The bottle of chloroform was wrapped in an Italian newspaper. I had my glasses off. She took me by the hand. We went out into the hall. The door of her husband's room was practically closed except for a crack. She opened the door. She entered the room and I followed her. I don't know how many seconds I stood there trying to get my bearings, and I struck him on the head. As nearly as I could, one blow, I think I, I think I hit him another blow because the first blow he raised up in bed and started to holler. I went in the bed on top of him and I tried to get the bedclothes over his mouth to suppress his cries. He was apparently full of fight. He got me by the necktie and a struggle ensued in which I was getting the worst because I was being choked. I hollered, mommy, mommy, for God's sakes, help me. I dropped the weight and she hit him on the head, throwing the bottle of chloroform, the handkerchief, the wire, and everything onto the pillow. I finally got him between my knees in some manner and had him by the throat with my left hand. How can you motorboat on that? Yeah, they could have claimed this was a motorboating accident. <laughs> I know. Uh, my right hand was over his mouth with the covers. I did not miss her at the time. The next thing I knew, his hands were tied with a towel, which she had gotten from the bathroom. I called her to close the window on account of the outcry. The covers were pulled up over his head. If there was waste packed in his nose and mouth, I do not know, because nobody pushed them in there, as far as I know. Can you put yourself in the position of her husband? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a guy sitting on you in your bed. <laughs> well, hitting you with weights, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> trying to stuff stuff up here. <laughs> Funny. And so you grab him by the tie, strangle him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this must have been a riot. I, what a to some not, not to everyone in the room. <laughs> I don't know if everyone was equally amused. <laughs> What's that so movie, I Love You to Death? Yes. That movie is so funny. Yeah. Is they it take, like this? Yeah, yeah, they take a taxi to the crime scene. <laughs> Smart. So Judd was screaming, Mommy? Yes, that was... Um, yeah, never ever date somebody who wants to call you mommy, mommy. in bed. Like Mike Pence, stay away from that guy. <laughs> really, that is so that creepy. That's so gross. Mother, where's my binky? Mother cookie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they did find chloroform waste in his mouth, nose and mouth, and according, uh, yeah, cookie. <laughs> And according to the coroner's report, Albert Snyder died of suffocation from being strangled with picture wire. After all that trouble they went to with all the other stuff. Yeah, they, they tried everything. They're just <laughs> And you know, Albert had a gun. <laughs> yeah, but guns don't kill people. He <laughs> needed a good guy with Back a gun. in the day they took that literally. <laughs> well, all the cops showed up but nobody wanted to go in, you know. It was kind of anyway. <clears throat> Please continue. So, they try to mess up the house and make it look like a robbery. Uh, but apparently, they forgot the point of a robbery is, you know, the robbers leave the house and take the valuables with them. <laughs> Sometimes. Some yeah. yeah that uh, that's the common. idea. Um, these 
two chose to just stuff the valuables under a mattress, <laughs> which was not. They're not going to find it there. <laughs> <laughs> Some, but they did. It was weird. <laughs> um, then Judd ties and gags Ruth, but loosely, uh, and leaves. Well, he's showing love. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on his way home, he asks a local cop if he knows what times the trains are leaving. He ends up <laughs> taking a cab from the train station and stiffing the cabbie of a decent tip. Because, you know, you want to make sure that you're memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> leaving the scene of a crime. Just Yeah. It's, it's like the Seinfeld episode, George Costanza, Costanza leaving on a high note, like yeah. telling a joke, I'm done. <laughs> he also uh, left the train ticket in his house where it could easily be found. All the things that you should do. This was, this was great. But Ruth is no better. You know, she eventually, she kind of wiggles up to her daughter's room, gets her daughter to call the authorities and, you know, the police come and she tells them that a couple of giant Italians broke in and killed her husband. They find the scene of uh, incompetent murder. Uh, and on the floor is that stick pin, that JG stick pin that her husband always wore. Uh, and so they go to her and they ask her, um, you know, does the initials JG mean anything to you? And she just goes, what does Judd Gray have to do with this? (laughs) (laughs) She's a smart one. So the police immediately are rather suspicious. (laughs) Of all the things they find, like it did, it didn't take a lot. Um, so they question her, and they tell her that they've found Gray, and he's told them everything. <laughs> so she turns on him and tells them everything, but blames Gray. And then they go to Gray and tell him, "Yeah, Ruth says you just came and killed her husband. That was weird, you know." And he <laughs> says, "No, no, no. I mean, I did, but it was all her idea, you know." So. They have two confessions pretty quickly. So, open and shut case, right? Uh, One journalist called it the dumbbell murder because of how it all went down. (laughs) But oh no, the fun was just getting started here. So, since there are competing stories of who's really the mastermind behind this all, and both parties were both obviously guilty, but really wanted to stay out of the electric chair, there was a trial, and New York decided to put them on trial together. And this trial, this was a circus. You've heard of trials being a circus, this was a circus. To quote from an article called The Bloody Blonde and the Marble Woman, Gender and Power in the Case of Ruth Snyder, by Jesse Ramey, which was published in the Journal of Social History, there's a place where you can put links to sources and stuff Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah that uh, it's informed a lot of this and it's a really interesting article the normally reserved new york times published a daily transcript of the trial and kept the story on page one above the fold for months on end 1500 people packed the courtroom every day of the trial wow 
while up to 2,000 people mobbed the streets outside. Counterfeit tickets sold for $50 a piece. Souvenir vendors hawked sash weight stick pins for 10 cents. Stunt photographers vied for the best shots, one snapping what may have been the first aerial photo. Uh, It was not the first aerial photo. I looked it up. Uh, (laughs) When he hired a plane to swoop down on Ruth from above. Which is pretty impressive at a time. Uh, Rich, powerful, celebrity people were attending this thing every day. Though... Judd Gray was the main physical murderer. You may have noticed that I spend a lot of my time talking about Ruth. Well, that's where everyone spends their time. I didn't realize on my first pass through this story that Gray also had a wife and daughter. And I couldn't tell you about them. Ruth has a wiki page. Judd doesn't. It was all about Ruth. What she wore. uh, Whether she had makeup on. Her, what her facial expressions were. You know, if she was stoic, then she was an ice maiden. And if she showed any emotion, then she was faking, you know. Well, you know, at the time when they made the movie about them, they used Barbara Stanwyck as the actress. Hmm. And she was as close to a dominatrix as you're going to get for those days. <laughs> yep. And Fred McMurray played the guy, you know, My Three Sons. Oh. So that that tells you something the way that people looked at this. But yeah, she was the dominant one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the the media. Whenever a woman is accused of a murder, the media is always going to focus on that more than a man being accused because it doesn't happen as often. Women don't generally commit as many murders as men do. So because mm. they're better people. <laughs> Either that or they're better at not getting caught. <laughs> you know, I mean, this would be like genius compared to some of the male murderers we've covered. Like, That's you know, true. I mean, they, they almost like send an email to the police. By the way, I left my uh, gun at the crime scene. <laughs> Could you pick it up? <laughs> it has my initials on it. <laughs> okay. Um, so... If you're wondering what Judd Gray... Like, obviously, Ruth's defense to murder was, I didn't do it. I just fainted. Oh, no, I'm a girl. Um, but if you're wondering what Judd Gray's defense was... Go ahead. Guess. Guess. The devil. Oh, uh, she he hypnotized him. Yeah. It was her magic sex powers. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, I, 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 I get it. <laughs> well, she was she was the wife of the motorboat captain. That's right. Yeah, I <laughs> the pussy whip defense guy. <laughs> That's literally yeah. Um. So I'm gonna quote again from Bloody Blonde. Is that a magazine or? No, that's the article I mentioned before. Oh. That that will be linked. Um. Perhaps no one did more to portray Ruth as a non-woman. He's talking about, uh, she'd been talking before about how people would, were saying a lot that she can't even be a real woman. No real woman could do that. You know, that sort of thing was a lot. Um, then Judd Gray's attorney, Samuel Miller, who planned a novel defense for his client, Miller attempted to exonerate Judd of wrongdoing 
by claiming that he had been dominated by a cold, heartless, calculating mastermind and master will. Judd never denied killing Albert. In fact, he provided a painfully detailed account of the murder. However, Judd hoped he would be spared the electric chair. The jury understood he was simply the, quote, poor victim of a designing, malicious, human serpent of a woman. After hearing Judd's trial testimony, one reporter labeled Ruth a fiend incarnate and a most unlovely creature. In his summary to the jury, Miller called Ruth that poisonous serpent with her glistening coils, a wild beast in the jungle, and a peculiar venomous species of humanity. These phrases were seized upon by the press and later by popular authors writing about the case. In their repetition, Ruth became an animal, a fiend, a creature, a serpent, a wild beast that deserved execution. Gray further testified that her intensive lovemaking had addled his wits, <laughs> while his lawyer stated the unquenchable fire within the body of Ruth Snyder so distorted her moral and psychiatric being that she should have been in an institution or the hands of a doctor long ago. In the hands of a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kinky. Well, and anyway. he could have testified. He could have pro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. corroboration like. Yeah. <laughs> well, no wonder everybody wanted to pay attention to this case. Yeah, that's the part I'm not quite following. So why why were people so interested in this? Because it sounds like you're run of the mill. Kinky, kinky. Yeah. Because it was salacious. Because um, because women had been getting a lot more. You, you got to understand, they went from Victorian morals to the flapper Cutting their in hair. a very short, yeah. All of a sudden, they're bobbing their hair. They're wearing short, shorter smoking. dresses. They were smoking. They were smoking. They were drinking. Uh, they were going out. They were They were living. talking. I know. <laughs> it was terrible. You know, and there were probably millions of women going, "Ooh, that's awesome! I'd like to do that too." <laughs> yeah, taking notes, like, oh, "All right, this is what not to do." Okay, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, you're always going to make the papers, though, if your defense is, "Hey, you should see what she can do with her mouth." I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Gray did talk Have to the, the jurors. Tab. Try. <laughs> Gray did talk to the tabloids, and he did, you know, mm-hmm. more than hint that it was the sex. He just, I, she would have sex, and she, I was not, I was putty in her hands. There was nothing I could do, you know. And then my Percy, mind was all over the place. Can I draw a parallel here? Sure. Um, East of Eden. Did you read that book? Was yeah. written about that time, and part of that was about. All these men in some town would pay this woman to cut them with a straight razor because they got off on it. So there was this repressed kind of uh, sexuality that I think this case brought out. Hand me your whip. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I think it, as we'll see as we go on, it brought out a lot of anxiety about, you know, yeah. Uh, our whole culture, our civilization is coming down upon our ankles and, you know, everything is out of control. It was a bad time. And you're talking about a time when the KKK suddenly jumps up in power. When, That's true. 
you know, when this idea of a of a certain group of people within the country that they were losing their country as they understood it mm -hmm. with its traditional ways and morals that they felt were so much better than all this wild nonsense and you know women running around smoking and black people being able to exist <laughs> you know <laughs> like regular people this was also during prohibition yeah so there was all this Which nobody was following but it was the law <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the whole thing it's always been like this land of make-believe it's not like people weren't always kinky or people weren't always sexual but it's like you know they was like this make-believe that this wasn't going on it's true. you know and it's <laughs> like you know of course it was it's like in the 50s and 60s of course teenagers had sex in high school i mean you know yeah. <laughs> again we were all there <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah for for poor judge the blah cookie for poor judge cookie it's table it let's table it <laughs> table it you have the you're using your own safe word we have a different mm. safe word cookie is not safe my word. safe word neither it's steve's neither is <laughs> table it <laughs> all right anyway Unfortunately for Judd, sexual mesmerism is not a defense for murder. Uh, so this didn't end up working, but it, you know, it was catnip for the media. Mm -hmm. And while Ruth's lawyer tried to focus on the wife and mother stuff that Ruth did, pretty much she did all the parenting in that household by everything I read. She made the draperies and everybody's clothes. She did the cleaning and the cooking and canned her own vegetables. Made wow. Lorraine dolls and little outfits and all that. Worked stuff. out the insurance policies. <laughs> Worked out the insurance policies. All the needed paperwork. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, but uh, she could have been mother of the year. That also does not un enable you to kill someone, as it turns out. She was not wife of the year. No. <laughs> um, and at this point in history, neither is the fact that Albert is abusive. Nobody mm. cares. Yeah. yeah, no, back then it was still, there was still attitudes like you could hit somebody as long as it, you know, you're using a weapon that's not as big as your thumb. Right, mm -hmm. rule of so, thumb. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. so it wasn't really considered assault. It was considered discipline. Discipline, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Correction. But really, this is about the death penalty. And no woman has been given the death penalty in almost 50 years in New York at this time. But the push is on now to execute her. You know, the people are thirsty. tabloids. Yeah, this is bloodthirstiness. Um, and I'm going to quote for the last time from Bloody Blonde, who highlights what the prosecutor said in his closing statements. Gentlemen, our whole great nation... All of our American institutions are built in and founded upon the sanctity of the American home. If Ruth did not receive the electric chair, he warned, that foundation, that cornerstone of these American institutions, will totter and fall. Dr. Keeb, the state commissioner of corrections, felt even more was riding on Ruth's, de Ruth's death and declared that the law and the dignity of the state would be upheld through her execution. 
the Times editorial board concurred as it railed against the tabloid press and its elevation of Ruth to celebrity status. Who cares a rap for poor, honest, faithful Albert Snyder? Who has any thought that the state and not the criminal needs to be protected? Here, I don't know why the New York Times talk like that, but they did. That was their answer. I don't know why you talk like that. <laughs> I didn't. I was just quoting them. <laughs> the New York Times is meant to be read at this time. <laughs> in that voice and only in that voice. <laughs> oh. Okay. Cookie. So, yeah. <laughs> Thus. Sorry. All right. Where are you now? I'm here. I'm right okay. here. I'm right next to you. Um, in fact, they were quite worried that even capital punishment would be would not be enough to keep all this husband murdering from happening. I you agree. Know, on husband murderers, it has no chance of deterrent effect. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm reading from the Times. Oh. On husband murderers. You changed your voice. <laughs> it has no chance of deterrent effect. That's right. <laughs> it is 43 years since one has been executed in New York. Husband killing has come to be a safe industry. You sound like Scarlett O'Hara. You know what's ironic, though, is that the first person executed by the electric chair was a woman in New York. Really? Yeah. Roxalana Drews. There was a competition with Edison. Oh, no, that was, uh, no. Roxalana Drews was the last person before Ruth to be killed. So she was not. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're sorry? I am. I'm so they, sorry. They called the chair old Sparky back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I got> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Five minutes later. <laughs> That's okay. I just figured out. From you know what this they p- said when they electrocuted that poor woman and she was sh- shaking in the chair and she sounded like a motorboat. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now you're really being motorboated. Yes. (laughs) We are the worst people. (laughs) No, we're not. Oh, that's true. We've never killed anyone. Agree. Yet. We're not as bad as Hunter Moore. No. Right. All right. So, yeah, I mean, of course, there's not a lot of evidence that women were running around killing their husbands in any kind of big numbers, but, you know. Since it had been 43 years since Roxalana Drews was hanged for chopping up her husband, the editors surmised that women must have been getting away with something, (laughs) and now they would just keep at it, you know. I think that's right. (laughs) So as, as I probably hinted at, they did in fact condemn both her and Judd to die. And both were executed on January 12th, 1928 in the electric chair within minutes of each other. It was an ugly thing in both cases. She sat on his lap. No, it, she did not. <laughs> no, it was sat on his face. Like, oh, maybe maybe I misread that. I think you did. Uh, one last ride, then. Yeah. <laughs> and they motorboated off into the sunset. <laughs> that would have been awesome, actually. It would have actually been. <laughs> They should have considered it. I, I don't know. Like, if, if you're going to kill him anyway, why not? Um, 
But it's probably better, best that they didn't because something went wrong with the electric chair in Judd's case and he caught fire. Ew. <laughs> it must have Perfect. smelled. Yeah. That actually happened quite a bit. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. yeah. In terms of Ruth, a photographer who attended the execution snuck in a camera by strapping it to his ankle and after the electrocution process had started, he snapped a photo, which was blurry because of all the shaking she was doing. But and she was shaking. <laughs> shaking and a bacon. Yeah. Snapping a finger. Now, wait a minute. Yeah, he had this shaking. thing on his ankle. He'd be getting a shot of her dress or something. That's just ridiculous. No, I've actually... The first upskirt in history. What did he do? Hold up his foot? And go, he wasn't, he wasn't that close. Uh, I've seen... And how big was the camera? Because back yeah. in those days... It wasn't all that big. There were some small cameras. You know, I did some looking into the camera thing. Mm. like cause For any reason in particular? <laughs> because, it, you know, when they're talking about aerial photos and, and all this stuff going yeah, on... Yeah, because like, all the delays that you hear about of old cameras, but back then by this point they they really had gotten fairly sophisticated yeah they had uh, i saw that's the picture oh that's oh. Uh, that's not too bad of her I mean, shaking yeah and and snapping has, her fingers it has the angle of the guy <laughs> was she that. moving round and round and round and round because she was shaking <laughs> <laughs> that is um probably it does look like he took it from his leg yeah. he did uh, that is that one that shot does. that yeah, is the a... wide shot so what oh. they cropped everything out but her for the newspaper the next day because it took the whole newspaper that picture with the words dead above it yeah but yeah what um steve is helpfully showing people is the full picture which you can tell um you can tell because it's kind of like through other people's legs. He's getting this shot, um, and you know, not a not cool. But it's a lovely um, wallet. <laughs> actually, uh, fun fact for a Guns N' Roses fans: one of their albums shows the band in front of a giant blown up. Um, this this photo. But just big and blown up, so that'd be, be the Guns N' Roses Lies, Lies album. Yeah. Yes, I was gonna say yeah. that's June. It's got to be. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Okay. So yeah. Well, that was stimulating. Was it? I'm glad. Um, is the Eddie Money song based on the story? <laughs> you would have to ask Eddie. <laughs> Which song is that? And she was shaking. Yeah, she couldn't have been snapping her fingers because her yeah. hands were strapped. Yeah, the so. And they were smoking. But so. <laughs> and that's the picture of the guy's ankle camera. Yeah, don't give any people on Boston subways any ideas. I know, that. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah, look at that thing. And nobody noticed that? <laughs> the well, he, was you awesome. see, he had pulled his pants down over it. This is him, you know, sort of got an... Uh, this is him taking... <laughs> taking the with those Excuse pants. me, sir. <laughs> so, and I mean, obviously people's attentions were on 
what was happening in front of him, which is probably good because he's sitting there with one arm, with one hand pulling up his pant leg, showing off his ankle, and with the other he's reaching for the button, in his, <laughs> which is well, down in his shirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, that guy's enjoying this too much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that is that is the story. That's a great story. That was a fun one. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Thanks for doing Steve's work again. Yeah, anytime. I enjoy doing Steve's Yeah, good work. research, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. You found the picture. <laughs> Although I, I did kind of miss Steve fucking up reading it several times. <laughs> That's always fun. Mm. Mm. But does it make good podcasting? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> You you do not see my dad who has taken his headphones off but kept them on his head That's so that they're yeah. like bunny ears so yeah, they're like Mickey they look ears. like big Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, thanks for visiting. Uh, so next month, do we are going to jump on Hunter Moore day? Yeah, I'll jump on Hunter Moore. All right. The fucking asshole. Yes. Good. Punch him. Yep. Sorry. Uh, did I say that? No. Yeah. Our lawyers say that uh, we don't endorse beating the living shit out of Hunter Moore at all. No, I actually I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> Me too. So. <laughs> and I, I don't have a lawyer. So. <laughs> Dave's the closest we all got. Okay. <laughs> he says it's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, until next month, then. Bye.